When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shit. I got the fancy headphones. They sound good. I like it. America's favorite band to listen to when you're cooking hamburgers in your backyard and drinking Mick Ultras. This new generation, though, they don't even drink the Mick Ultra. They drink White Claws. Is anybody actually listening to Leonard Skinner on purpose? That's my question. I had just assumed that it's a uh, backyard barbecue playlist, whatever on Spotify. And that's literally the only reason anybody listens to Leonard Skinner ever is because it just so happens to pop up on your playlist and you don't skip it because you're too drunk to get up and hit the button. Speaking of popping up, I got you something. Oh, Jesus Christmas. <laughs> we should be sponsored by this shit. Reminds me of barbecues and Leonard Skinner. Don't worry. I'm going to drink one too. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie. I don't think I knew about. No, Leonard. go ahead. You should lie. No, I'm gonna lie. I know so much about <clears throat> Leonard Skinner. I was literally like, I'm like a Leonard Skinner super fan in reality, but like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pretend like I'm dumb for this podcast and I don't know shit. Uh, I don't know shit about Leonard Skinner, but I will say this: I know a lot of Leonard Skinner lyrics. It, it turns out when I was listening to Leonard yeah. Skinner driving around my neighborhood today. And I guess that's just because I live in Nashville and I go out and do stuff. So therefore, I am bombarded by songs like, say, Sweet Home Alabama, which if for some reason ever came on in my car, I would immediately skip, turn off my car, crash into a tree to not listen to it. Osmosis, kind of. You're just proximity. You're around it. If you drive down Broadway... Yeah, you're and gonna, you're not blasting music in your car. You're going to hear probably three different bands covering a Skinnerd song. And the reason why you hear so many bands do Skinnerd is because of how easy this shit is to play. Yeah, I mean, you would almost have to try to perform a Skinnerd song worse than Leonard Skinnerd plays it. I wonder if any of the 27 people that have been in the band over the course of their tenure as a existence of a band, whatever even is, whatever even that's called. They, I can't remember what band it was, what episode we were doing, but you came up with a term for it, which was pretty great. You called bands like this zombie bands. Yeah. Yeah. Where there's one person who's left from the Ronnie Van Zant days. And then it's just a bunch of. Dude, this is the perfect prime example of a zombie band. 27 members from beginning to end is ridiculous. A number of the band members had an unfortunate ending, which arguably the band should have just ended then, seeing as how the most important members did not get to continue the band. Uh, but unfortunately, some people decided to keep it going, keep pushing it down the road. Another reason for why so many people have been in this band, I would assume that they are keeping at least as many people on the stage as were on the stage in the classic lineup. And that is seven motherfuckers yeah. on stage. It's, it's almost as bad as Slipknot. I mean, 
How did any fan of this band ever look at the stage during a Skinner concert and think to themselves, yeah, the music I'm hearing right now certainly sounds like it requires seven people to play it. Well, maybe that's the point. Maybe if you create like a wall of gish gallop noise going out at people, nobody can differentiate the actual members of the band who are all just sloppily playing the really bad songs. So maybe that's it. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's almost like a strategy. Okay, wait, if there's only four of us on stage, they're going to know we're really bad. So we put seven of us on stage and you can't tell who's playing what because it's just sloppy mess of music. I sort of think that any band that uses an electric organ is kind of cheating because the sound of that just fills space. That's why it's in churches and shit. Such a wide spectrum of sound waves are being covered by that one instrument that is just filling everything like, I don't know, plumber's putty. Really wide wall of noise that's coming at you from this one instrument. It's like a drone. So there's a thing about on guitars, if you play open strings in the chords, like if you're playing cowboy chords down near the headstock, that's going to be louder than anyone who's just playing bar chords up here because those open strings can ring more freely. It's, they it's like open. resonate wider. Yeah, there's more resonance to it. The organ, especially in this band, sort of serves the same purpose. While we're talking about all the members and everything, one of the most insane pieces of Leonard Skinner trivia to me is that Ed King was in the band Strawberry Alarm Clock before winding up in Leonard Skinner, which it, that's just nuts. Uh, Strawberry Alarm Clock is who did that Incense and Peppermints song. Incense and Peppermints. Yeah. Jingle jangly pop psych kind of acts. Mm -hmm. Really weird transition that that dude's Maybe career made. Maybe behind every musician is a southern rock boy who just wants to play power chords and get wasted and fall off the front of the stage or something. I don't know. He's from California too. <laughs> he? so he's oh, shit. Cosplaying as a Florida dumbass for the rest of his <laughs> life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to join Leonard Skinner. Shit, I gotta move to fucking Jacksonville, Florida. Their costumes are way better than ours. <laughs> More bands should play in front of flags. <laughs> um, did you know that Bjork, the singer Bjork, grew up with her parents listening to Leonard Skinner all the time? Bjork did? Bjork, yeah. <laughs> I did not know that, no. But it also kind of makes sense. Well, it's like, hilarious <laughs> to me because I'm certain 99.9% .9 of Skinner fans would hate every second of Bjork's music career. I'll go on record right now. If you're ever working sound at uh, one of the zombie Skinner band concerts and you throw some Bjork on over the PA as house music. <laughs> if you prove it, like send me a video. I was going to say, you have to send us a video. I will pay you $1,000 for real. Um, I would love to see the reaction from Skinner fans trying to figure out what the fuck is going on while having to listen to an entire Bjork album. Yeah. If you like get shut down for doing it before you get the whole album played, that's cool. I'll still pay you, but sure. try to do the whole album. But yeah, I'm sure the Leonard Skinner fans would be like, how in the fuck does anyone decide to make music like this? Wait, it turns out the answer is being forced to listen to Leonard Skinner a lot in childhood. <laughs> no shit. Turns you into Bjork. It kind of makes sense. Like if the goal of kids is to rebel against their parents and your parents grew up listening to Leonard Skinner, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to rebel against those assholes and make Weirder fucked up music, weird noises into the microphone for like an hour and a half. 
I think your idea is brilliant. And I really sincerely hope that there's a sound guy out there that randomly listens to this podcast and works for Leonard Skinner and goes, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to fucking play a Bjork album. I mean, half the crowd can't complete sentences. Ugh. Like, yeah, they just, <laughs> exactly. They just, exactly. They're either fighting or pissing in the field somewhere or something or falling on the ground. The 10 people that are paying attention to this sound, I would just love to see their facial expressions. You know, you know what Leonard Skinner makes me want to do? Fuck your cousin. Leonard Skinner <laughs> makes me want, because I saw one of the tours they did with like Kid Rock was the opener or something like that. And I was like, man, maybe there is something to just making music for the lowest common denominator. You know what I mean? Just dumb music. Play your instruments poorly. You don't have to try very hard to get money. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You just The modern version of Leonard Skinner is probably like Aaron Lewis or something like that. The dude from Stained. Okay, so just the other day I was fishing and this dude drove by with his girlfriend in his boat and he was blasting this Aaron Lewis song, which I've honestly never heard. I just know his voice. So I, oh, that's that Aaron Lewis song. And I was like, oh, this isn't really a song. He's just talking about his... Yeah. His frustrations with the world and I'm the real victim. Yeah, that's what it was. I mean, literally, it was quite literally. Am I the only one who gives a shit? I'm like, people listen to this on purpose. Leonard Skinner paved the way for that really, really simple minded music. To which, be a simple <laughs> exactly. kind of man. I guarantee you. Aaron Lewis grew up listening to oh, fucking no, Leonard Skinner. No question, man. He took the words to Simple Man way too serious, took it really to heart. And not only am I a simple man, I'm going to write simple music. Well, like, also, what the fuck does it mean to be a complicated man? Like, what are you talking about? How <laughs> Basically, this dude's mom was like, look, Ronnie, you're a fucking dumbass, dude. So you need to focus on one thing at a time. That's right. Or none of this is going to work out for you. <laughs> yeah, keep it really simple, man. Look, my mom told me to not juggle while cooking breakfast, okay? Too complicated. Also, why? okay, real quick. They're, they're from Florida, correct? Oh, yeah. You've heard of Florida Man? Well, this is Florida Band. Okay. That's why I just wanted to make sure, because I'm sure we're going to talk about some other classic hits besides just Simple Man, like, say, Sweet Home Alabama, which doesn't even make sense because they're not from Alabama. Yeah, we're going to save that one we're for gonna, the We're going to save end. that for the finale. Unlike Leonard Skinner concerts, we're going to start with Freebird, I think. Uh, if Freebird is your favorite song, you're an asshole, because the... Entire song is about being an asshole. This dude has to make sure that this girl understands he's going to leave soon, but also wants her to be fucked up by it. He wants her to keep thinking about him. He's like, look, I'm going to leave and there's nothing that you can say to me that will make me stay. But when I leave, are you going to remember me? <laughs> That's some toxic ass shit. It's like, man. no, get the <laughs> fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> and if anyone has ever told you, Lord knows I can't change as many times as this asshole says that phrase in this song, you don't need me to tell you this song was written by an asshole for assholes. That is the thing only assholes say. Hey, yep, this is just the way I am. Yeah. Does anyone who's cool ever say that? Yeah, man, I'm just cool. I just can't change. I'm a reasonable, rational person. I handle things well, pretty chill sense of humor. Don't take myself that too seriously. I can't change. It's only some fucking dickhead trying to explain to you why he's a dickhead who would say that he can't change. 100% of the time, the only people that utter those words are pieces of absolute shit. I'm sorry. I'm just me. Dude, if your boyfriend or girlfriend utters these words to you, you should leave 
immediately you should run away. This is a terrible human being. Just the way the good Lord made me. It's as if evolution just pauses with you. Nothing gets better. Everyone else will change then. We'll all just accommodate you since you can't change. Right. We're going to bend the world to you because you are uh, opposed to developing yourself as an adult human being on planet Earth. Other thing about Freebird, this song sucks when it was called Stairway to Heaven and it still sucks when you put a beard and a southern accent on it. No shit. Stop doing a slow song and then putting a fast song on the end of it and pretending it's the same fucking song. No one wants to hear the slow bullshit first part. You're just tricking them into listening to it because they know that they're going to get to hear the guitar solo thing You're at right. the end. And all, that entire guitar solo is not that big of a fucking deal. I know that everyone who doesn't play guitar hears that and just like oh man face melter of a solo all of those patterns are such basic fucking patterns it's just there are three guitarists playing at the same time so you think it sounds fucking great anytime you have that many people playing that poorly over each other it just and sounds like the, trash well, the rhythm under it is terrible too when they start doing the thing where they're like bam 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 Bam, bam. All of those are off time. I cannot believe that this band wasn't forced to record with a metronome. They're sloppy as fuck. These guys make Black Sabbath sound like the tightest band in existence. I really did, unfortunately, for the first time in my entire adult life, listen to Leonard Skinner on purpose in order to record this episode. But now that you say that about being stairway to heaven, that's so true. It really is. Same exact bullshit thing. The whole reason why everyone loves Stairway to Heaven is not, you could cut the first three minutes of Stairway to Heaven out and all the fans of that song would still love Stairway to Heaven. This is a fact too. This isn't just like my opinion or conjecture or anything. The band played the song just the first part forever for like months and crowds didn't like it. That's why they came up with the end of it. We got to do something, man. No one really likes this song. Mm -hmm. One of their roadies came up with the intro so they made him a member of the band and <laughs> of course <laughs> and they came up with the triple guitar attack solo thing yeah a because people didn't like the song and b ronnie needed some time to catch his breath <laughs> i mean it is wild how low the bar was in the 70s it seems and continuing today seeing as how the songs are still played every five seconds if you went to anyone who's ever played guitar for the band Kansas and asked if they were good enough to play a Skinner song, they would laugh in your face because sure. they would assume that you were kidding. Conversely, if you asked Skinner to play Carry On My Wayward Son, <laughs> they would be totally fucked. If you went to them before a show as a concert promoter and you were like, hey guys, I don't know how closely you read the contract, but I added a clause that says if you don't play <laughs> Carry On My Wayward Son by Kansas, I don't have to pay you. They're not getting paid that night because they cannot play that fucking song. Kirk Hammett is a much better guitarist than anyone who is ever in Skinner, but the same thing applies to Skinner where if you listen to enough of it, you will eventually realize all of the guitar solos are the same solo at different tempos and with the sections moved around into a different order. Skinner learned like three scale shapes and then rode those fuckers into the ground. The vocals on every Skinner song are entirely unremarkable. Listen to their version of Call Me the Breeze and tell me that doesn't sound like your neighbor singing with his friends while they pretend to work on a truck in a garage just to get away from their wives and drink beer. Anyone could have been the singer of this band. It blows my mind when people talk about how good of a singer Ronnie Van Zant was. He's usually buried in the mix. His voice is shaky as fuck. Dude can barely hold a single note. Mumbly and droney, it sounds like he's barely even interested half the time. There's not a lot of emotion in it. 
if Robert Plant had an unfortunate ending and Led Zeppelin was like, okay, we have to replace him, he'd be a very difficult person to replace. Not a lot of people have that kind of range in the vocal, blah, 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 blah. The chances of you replacing Ronnie Van Zant is extremely high. Every Skinner song you can think of has been done by another band covering it better, much better. Listen to the J.J. Kale original of They Call Me The Breeze. It's so much more chill, but it's so much more awesome at the same time. There's another J.J. Kale song that Skinner does called I Got The Same Old Blues, and I would love for anyone listening to this who thinks Skinner's version is good to go track down the recording of the same song by a guy named Steve Young. Steve Young, I've got the same old blues. Compare that to the Skinner version. I mean, this band is a fucking joke, man. And I have nothing against Southern rock in general, by the way. Southern rock is awesome if you're listening to the correct bands. Molly Hatchet, Georgia Satellites, Black Oak, Arkansas, Kansas. I will include ZZ Top in the Southern rock category. Uh, Ozark Mountain, Daredevils. Leonard Skinner is bottom of the barrel horseshit. Two of the guys who were in Skinner in the early days left to go be in Blackfoot, and that band is light years <laughs> beyond anything that Skinner ever did. Fucking Jackal is better than Skinner. Dirty Little Mind, She Loves My Cock, and I Stand Alone. All smoke anything Skinner ever touched. Mm -hmm. Dude, She Loves My Cock. What a great song. I stand alone today. <laughs> At least they had fun doing it. Compare Jackal to give me three steps, give me three steps, mister, and I won't kiss my sister no more. So we have new t-shirts, but I just realized, can we say, how how specifically can we describe the designs of our new shirts? Uh, we have shirts that roundaboutly might kind of make you think of a certain 90s grunge rock band uh, and or another famous rock band from the across the pond. It rhymes with the bowling bones. <laughs> the bowling bones. Yeah. Shmervana. Shmervana. <laughs> <laughs> Come on down to yfbspod.com. Merch store. Buy a t-shirt. Buy a flag. Buy a pin. Buy a sticker. Well, I feel like uh, Skinner is one of those bands that wrote such simple bullshit music that a lot of bands don't want to admit that they don't like Leonard Skinner because they started playing guitar when they were six years old to Leonard Skinner songs because this was simplistic so they could play it. It was their first thing that they learned to write. So everyone has this like soft spot or so, learn to play, uh, has a soft spot in their heart for Leonard Skinner. I love Leonard Skinner. No, you don't. You just learn how to play their songs first. That's it. That's the only reason. Yeah. They're not good. There's way better bands that do literally everything that they did. It's like the green day of Southern rock yes. where it just blew up. You liked it when you were dumb and young and yeah. you learned how to play your instrument to it because it was easy enough for you to learn how to play your instrument to it. You listen to Stairway to Heaven and you go, I'm going to learn how to play this song beginning to end. You're probably going to quit playing guitar before you do it because it's going to take you so long to be able to do it. So what you do is you listen to Leonard Skinner and you go, oh God, I could definitely do this. And you're right. You're right. <laughs> so therefore you keep playing guitar. And then you have a soft spot and Leonard Skinner in your heart forever. So, yeah, if your favorite band is Leonard Skinner, your band sucks. <laughs> we're not ending it yet. <laughs> if this is your favorite band, you have absolutely started crying while listening to Tuesday's Gone because it reminded you your cousin is the first person from your family to go to college and you won't be able to fuck them again until they come home for Thanksgiving. Tuesday's Gone just sounds like every other song that they wrote. Tuesday's Gone. Yeah, it's uh, Halloween. Uh, God damn, dude. Like, it's just depressing ass shit. You know how many people, like, 
This song was probably the most played song. At two in the morning, it was probably a very popular song to be played when everyone was drunk and slow dancing. We're going to end the night by playing this bullshit. And everyone drunk is like, oh, Tuesday's gone. Woo! I love this song. It's hilarious to me that Ronnie Van Zant used to wear a shirt that said, I can't remember if it had, it was who the fuck are the Rolling Stones or it might've just been who are the Rolling Stones. But it's really funny that he would wear that shirt because Leonard Skinner could not and would not exist if it weren't for the Rolling Stones. This is basically the big lie of Skinner is that they were making music entirely influenced by American musical traditions rather than making music influenced by 1960s England's response to American musical traditions. Skinner is literally what the Rolling Stones would sound like if the entire band had shitty rhythm and the singer had a southern accent. Just listen to the song, What's Your Name? What's your name, little girl? I genuinely hate the Rolling Stones with all my heart. I fucking think the Rolling Stones suck shit. I do. But my God, Leonard Skinner is just like the simpleton version of the Rolling Stones. It's as, as if the Rolling Stones stole American music from the, you know, from black people, but they did it in Europe, come back here, take over America. And then <laughs> Leonard Skinner guys were just like, well, I can't do it that good. So let's make our own version they of it. Just kind of like dumbed it down yeah, and just, added cock rock to it. Let's floridize this shit, basically. Take the Rolling Stones and flush it through Florida. And then boom, here we are. There are also a lot of Skinner songs where the meter of the lyrics doesn't match the rhythm of the song. So Ronnie has to try to cram a bunch of words in and it sounds so non-musical. The song That Smell is really easy to spot. Uh, he's doing it basically the entire song, but especially in the chorus, I'm positive there are thousands of people who think the line in the chorus goes, the smell that surrounds you, but he's cramming in the words, the smell of death surrounds you because it's a song about how dangerous it is to be fucked up all the time, especially if you're like driving cars around and shit. Like one of the dudes in the band got fucked up and wrecked his car into a tree or some shit. So he wrote this song, but there's a ton of dumbasses who think this song is just about like smoking pot or something. Ooh, that smell. You smell it? Wait, there's dumbasses that listen to this band? <laughs> yeah. Get the fuck out of here. People don't pay attention to the verse lyric. They're also just blasting this shit at a, while they're grilling or hanging on a leak or whatever. And they're all fucking talking. 100%. And then the chorus comes around and everyone sings along to the chorus. Yeah, and then they go back they, to talking. I really have a hard time believing that anybody purposefully puts on Leonard Skinner in private. You put on Skinner at the barbecue on the boat because nobody's actually listening to it and acknowledging how fucking terrible it is. Oh, yeah, I know these lyrics. They sing along. How many people actually get in their car every day and go, I'm driving to work today. What am I going to listen to? Oh, yeah, Leonard Skinner. 10 people in the whole I world. I think you would be surprised. There's, okay, there's 30 <laughs> people in the whole entire world that do that. I don't think you are at all prepared for what's going to happen when this episode comes out, man. Not only have I been around it, I have hated this band since I was, I don't know, seven. <laughs> I was sick of hearing this band songs at the age of seven, probably I'm familiar with what happens when you tell people about this band. We've got to get to sweet home Alabama because I'm going to, I'm going to yell about this for a long time. Again, unfortunately, uh, the only reason I know this song exists is because it's just passively injected into my ears at all times. This is another really good song to listen to. If you're like, these guys aren't right about Ronnie Van Zant being a bad singer, go home Put on headphones or whatever the fuck you do when you're like actively trying to listen to music and not just dicking around. Very much a um, Fleetwood Mac situation. 
Fleetwood Mac, Lindsey Buckingham's a very bad singer, so they would have to really harshly filter his vocal with EQ, and it makes it sound very unnatural. It almost sounds like he's uh, inhaled helium from a balloon or is singing in a wall lined with stainless steel that reflects the audio a lot or something like that. It's very manufactured sounding. It sounds like he's singing through a tin can or something. Dude, they did the same shit with Ronnie Van Zandt, especially on that first few albums. Sweet Home Alabama, his voice, it sounds like an alien from another planet, man. It sounds like some production technique that some Euro trash EDM producer would use on whatever singer they hire to sing over the track. It sounds miserable, but that's beside the point because the main problem I have with this song is that it is essentially an endorsement of one of the most white supremacist politicians who got the furthest in a political career in the United States. And I am sick of dealing with people who think that they're explaining to me how this song is a criticism of George Wallace instead of essentially an endorsement of George Wallace. There's a part of the song where it says in Birmingham, they love the governor. And then the background vocals go boo, boo, boo. A lot of people say that that is supposed to be the band booing George Wallace because they disagree with him. Ronnie Van Zant even said that while he was alive. I am aware. But look up what Ed King and Gary Rossington both said about that part because they said the background vocals were not booing George Wallace. The background vocals are making fun of people from the North who boo George Wallace. Ed King, in case you don't know, is the guy who wrote the goddamn guitar riff for Sweet Home Alabama. So I think he might know what he's talking about when he said that Ronnie wrote the we all did what we could do line about trying to help Wallace get elected as U.S. president. Skinner were from Florida, not Alabama. So George Wallace was never their governor. When he says we all do what we could do, what do you think he's talking about? Yeah. He's not talking about trying to keep this guy from becoming the governor of Alabama because he can't fucking vote in Alabama. Where are all the public statements about Ronnie Van Zant denouncing George Wallace and saying that nobody should vote for him for president? Can't find them? It's because they don't exist. So if he's saying we all did what we could do to say that they were trying to stop Wallace from becoming president, he didn't. He's lying. If you want to believe that that's what he was saying, he lied to you because he did not campaign against this motherfucker. A. B. George Wallace made Leonard Skinner honorary lieutenant colonels in the Alabama state militia. Gave Skinner the award, plaques, and they kept them and they're proud of them. Look up what the members of Leonard Skinner said in even Ronnie, and everyone acts like Ronnie Van Zandt was some kind of woke-ass lefty, but when he talks about George Wallace, and when every other member of this band, to a man, talks about George Wallace, they all say some shit like, I mean, I'm not racist, but you've got to admit the guy fights for what he believes in, and I sure do admire that. you got to admit he's got balls, blah, 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 blah. And there are quotes, like I said, quotes from Ronnie saying that they were being critical of Wallace. They also at one time said... Uh, uh, that they distance themselves from using the Confederate flag. And the issue with these quotes is they're always from a conversation when Ronnie or one of the other band members was talking to someone who they knew would hate them if they were open about not really having that much of an issue with this guy being a white supremacist. Mm -hmm. It's when they're talking to NPR or when they're talking to CNN Somewhere where they know they're not supposed to say this kind of stuff. Oh, no, yeah, we were being critical of him. And then they always turn right back around and start defending the Confederate flag again. As soon as it's just the good old boys, 
The truth comes out. This band famously played with a giant Confederate flag as a backdrop at their concerts. And I know a lot of people think that they did that everywhere, but they didn't. They only did that when they were playing in the South. This is all shit you can and should look up if you think I'm wrong, by the way. Facts, okay? This band only played with the Confederate flag as a backdrop when they were in the South. When they played concerts in the North, they didn't take that shit out for the same reason that when they're talking to NPR or CNN, they say that they were critical of George Wallace. They're hiding because white supremacists are fucking cowards. It's an entire philosophy based around an inferiority complex of worrying that if you don't have a system that unfairly limits people's chances and options and progress based on the color of their skin, you're not going to be good enough. So for me, being somebody who did not grow up in the South and had no exposure to Leonard Skinner, and we were preparing for this episode, so I was learning about Leonard Skinner. The thing that was the weirdest thing for me through the whole thing that you just said, because I agree with you 100%, I always just assumed that Leonard Skinner was this party band. Like, this is just what you listen to, and you were like, reflecting on your life or you're just wanting to drink and have a good time. And then reading about like where they're from and that they're not from Alabama, which was really weird to me, even though I literally learned that today, I thought it was really bizarre. They're not from Alabama. Why are they singing about Alabama? Why is a song referencing this absolutely terrible human being who did terrible shit belongs on the ash heap of history kind of guy. And I do think it's uh, interesting when anybody proudly flying the uh, Confederate flag when they're playing in Mississippi or the South or some shit. But when they go play other places, not flying it to me is just kind of cowardice and shitty. And just why would you not fly the Confederate flag if you played a show in New York or wherever? At the end of the day, the band probably, and I don't know for sure, I would assume cared about making money. So when we play Pennsylvania and New York, we're not going to fly the Confederate flag. The George Wallace stuff was really wild. I was like, holy shit, I... I wonder how many people outside of people that grew up with it or grew up in the South and know the story of Leonard Skinner actually realize that the song is actually singing about a guy who believed that segregation should not end, believed that segregation should forever be the way of life in the United States of America. And this song is like referencing him. It's not just referencing it. So I don't, it's actually possibly defending it. It absolutely is. I don't know how anyone could think that Sweet Home Alabama is some kind of attack against George Wallace when the lyrics in the outro straight up say Montgomery's got the answer. If you don't know, Montgomery is the capital of Alabama. That is where the governor, George Wallace, would be based. And the line about Montgomery having the answer come right before another line that says the governor's true. Montgomery's got the answer and the governor's true. Like I said, these guys were adept at talking out both sides of their mouth. Super familiar with all the arguments. So I'm also positive that someone's going to come at me about the song Saturday Night Special being uh, an anti-handgun anthem, which it is. But you think that that means that Ronnie Van Zant was like anti-handgun and all woke about guns and everything, right? Except he owned fucking handguns, all right? The next fucking album was called Give Me Back My Bullets. This guy was aggressive. <laughs> and this guy was an aggressive and physically abusive asshole who was always getting arrested for starting fights. Look up how many times this guy got arrested. Look up his bandmates talking about how when Ronnie was a teenager, he was the badass of the town who would stand on street corners and just 
give people the finger until someone would fight him. Just a piece of shit. Skinner's bass player used to wear a gun loaded with blanks in a visible holster on stage while playing concerts, which is kind of funny when you think about uh, the also the bass player from Interpol doing that. I'm sure you had no clue that he was like following in the footsteps, getting his Skinnered on real hard. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Ronnie Van Zant wrote a song about how the world would be better off without handguns. Sure. But the whole time he was fucking around with handguns. It's just like the, all the songs that he wrote about how bad it is to get too fucked up all the time while getting too fucked up all the time. The song That Smell, which we've already covered, is about how dangerous it is to be too fucked up all the time. He was on heroin and cocaine when he wrote the song. Yeah. Sure, it's an anti-drug song, but come on. The cognitive dissonance among people, sometimes it's what it looks like. Right. You know, sometimes it's not secretly something else that's smarter than it gets credit for. It's like when, they, when people show you who they are, believe them type thing. He's showing you who he is. Believe him. And also, if you don't know, uh, the only reason that you know who Leonard Skinner is is because of a guy named Al Cooper. And if you don't know who that is, you don't know much about the history of music in the United States. But this is a dude who played organ on Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone. And he was in Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And he decided that he wanted to make a record label imprint that would release music from Southern acts. Found Skinnerd and became their producer for, I think, the first three albums, maybe. And this is a dude from up north. This is a dude from the New York City folkies scene and all that shit. Forward-thinking guy, to say the least. I guarantee you, as soon as this guy came around, oh, uh, what's up with the Confederate flag? Probably pretty quickly got the message, okay, when we're in rooms with the music industry people in New York City and everything, we can't really like take our shoes off, let our hair down and tell the kind of jokes that we would tell. Right. You know, the kind of jokes where you look around first before you start telling them those kind of jokes. Or there's a but. Anytime there's a but. Yeah, I'm not racist, I'm not racist but. but. But you're fucking racist. Right. What? George Wallace was a terrible person, but. There's no reason to, to have that introductory clause unless you're about to say something racist. 100%. No one's ever like, I'm not racist, but I need to go pick up my laundry later. <laughs> no, no. I'm not racist, but let me say something mildly racist at the very least. I'm not racist, but are you hungry? Right. I'm not racist, but let me defend the guy who said segregation now, segregation forever. So here's the thing. Sweet Home Alabama is definitely not a criticism of George Wallace. But even if you're a person who thinks that that is what he was doing, then Ronnie Van Zant's still an idiot because this is the worst way to go about all the things that you think you're explaining to me is what he really meant. People are going to get the comments. They're going to try to explain all the shit that happened. I know about the Neil Young song. If Ronnie Van Zant was any good at communicating effectively, I wouldn't need you to come tell me all this other shit that you're saying is what he was secretly saying. If he was trying to say to Neil Young that not all people from the South are white supremacists, why would he not just say that instead of basically saying, oh, you don't like the racist governor in Alabama? Well, what about Watergate, bro? To treat a philosophy of racism that fosters violent hate crimes toward people based on their race as if it is equivalent with some people breaking into an office building for political purposes, betrays such a completely backwards way of thinking about the world. This guy was a dumb fucking redneck who had no business talking about any of this shit. Whether you think he was criticizing it or defending it, just absolutely inept logic behind all of this. Oh, you don't like the KKK? Well, what about Watergate, motherfucker? I don't see you talking much shit now, huh? 
If this dude didn't fucking love George Wallace, if this guy wasn't up George Wallace's asshole, why is he responding as he would if he was George Wallace's campaign manager? This is exactly the tactic that George Wallace's campaign manager would take against Neil Young. Bring up some completely other shit that is not remotely equivalent and throw it back in the other person's face to reframe the conversation. Look up the 1975 article in Cream Magazine by Robert Criscow, who for some reason always had a massive boner for Skinner. Read what Ronnie Van Sant says to Criscow about the fact, the fact that if Leonard Skinner were asked to perform a fundraiser for George Wallace, they would do it. Ronnie Van Sant said that. Look it up. I mean, I don't really know how much of a debate there is if it's okay. If you think that he's a bad person or you disagreed with his values and his system, which the thing about George Wallace, he did not actually hide. He did not wear the mask. He legitimately just openly espoused what he thought. I don't understand how anyone could defend and say, well, I disagree with him on that, but it's kind of the whole thing. Dude. Exactly. No, there's really not. But what other policies of his did you think were awesome? Yeah, literally his whole entire platform was built on segregation. It wasn't like uh subtle race. It was just openly racist. It wasn't through coded language and dog whistles. It was openly honest racism period he did later say that he realized he was wrong and basically apologized for all this shit i don't remember exactly when that happened i'm sure the only reason i'm saying it right now is because i'm sure someone's gonna come at us in the comments sure if he did realize that he was wrong that's awesome and everything but damage kind of already done well dude. part of it is is that a certain percentage of his fan base isn't going to hear that anyways. No, they're going to fucking turn on him just like all the Trump people do as soon as someone isn't in the club anymore. One of two things. Either they're going to turn on him or they're going to make excuses and they're going to say things like, oh, well, he just has to say that. This song is like obviously much deeper than what 99% of people I think currently would listening to this song realize. How many people on their boat this weekend or at a barbecue realize that this song is actually touching on like deep divisions that still 50 years later, America is still having to deal with. That's also why it blew up. The singles from Skinner's first album didn't do jack shit. This song, Sweet Home Alabama, was their first single to actually do anything. It's their only real hit. And it didn't become a hit because it was a song that referenced a state. And everyone from Alabama was like, woo, there aren't enough people in Alabama to make the song as big of a hit as it was. The reason why it blew up, Governor George Wallace was an active politician. This wasn't like history. They were literally, it was happening in real time. This was fucking happening. And they basically released a hate anthem into a country that was building a campaign of hate. All the people who voted for George Wallace definitely went out and bought this song and thought it was awesome. That's what made it a hit. The same thing as fucking uh, the Morgan Wallen shit right now. Sure. Dude pops off with the N-word. And racists start buying his shit in record-breaking numbers. Before that, it was probably going to do really well and everything. But that happening turned it into something entirely different. It becomes a political thing at that point. Mm -hmm. We can get off the politics of this song. Uh, Another reason that Sweet Home Alabama is really fucking stupid, though, is this guy, again, very dumb person, I think. This dumbass sat down to write an entire song about how great the state of Alabama is. And he only was able to come up with two things. One, there's a recording studio there where some good musicians worked. Two, 
The sky's blue. That's it. Aside from those two things and like the idea that I'm returning home, the whole song is just about this racist guy's all right. Gotta admire his work ethic. <laughs> so no one's ever gone to Alabama and been like, this guy so blue. That's some shit you say about Montana. And Montana is called big sky country. <laughs> right. Because the sky is particularly nice out there. No one has ever been like, let's go to Alabama for the blue skies. Can't wait. If it talks, walks, and looks like someone who fucks their cousin, your favorite band sucks. You are welcome for listening to another Southern Fried episode of your favorite band sucks. Something funny I forgot to point out about the song Freebird. There's no indication in that song the woman even cares the guy's leaving. For all we know, she only fucked him because he's in a touring band and she knew he was going to leave so she'd never have to see him again. But then she wakes up and he's written this forever long song about how he can't stay no matter how much it breaks her heart. All right, everyone have fun arguing with the dumbest motherfucker you know about this episode. That's it for the year 2022. This last run of episodes was probably the best we've ever had. And this last couple of years is definitely the busiest I have ever been. So Mark and I are going on vacation again. I would recommend hitting up the merch store at shop.yfbspod.com. And if you see something you like, then you better buy it now because we're getting rid of some of that shit to make way for new shit whenever we do make our triumphant return. Peace, fuckers.